Hi, everybody. I am Dr. Sophia Cottle, and welcome to another episode of Sex in the Bull City. Uh, I am here at my practice in Durham, Bull City Psychotherapy, with a lovely colleague in Durham, Dr. Duncan McEwen. And today we're going to talk about all kinds of interesting things relating to mood and depression and a new a newish um a newish a way to help help all of us deal with depression is something called ketamine. And so we're going to learn about that from Dr. Duncan. And we're going to talk about that today, but I just wanted to thank everyone for being here. Thanks for coming back to our podcast. We're really happy to be with you and um our, you know, our podcast is called Sex in the Bull City. I was just telling Dr. Duncan, and a lot of times we do end up talking about relationships and intimacy, sex addiction, sex therapy, lots of different issues like that. So today we're getting a little bit outside of our, our, our regular zone, but Duncan and I were just talking. We're really not, because if someone is depressed and they've been dealing with depression for a long time then we're really not going to be very connected to those around us. We're going to be disconnected, and you know, depression does not exactly lead one to want to be interested in healthy relationships. If we're really depressed, we're certainly not going to want to be having a lot of sex. And so when we're talking today with Dr. McEwen and we're learning about ketamine, ketamine actually very much does relate back to our relationships and intimacy and sex. So it's just another tool for how people can move through depression. And so I'm just going to bring Dr. Duncan in. I just want to say thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited to have you here. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So we're in the same town, so we're actually doing a podcast right next to each other, which is nice. And so not, not through the telephone or something like that. So we can look at each other and have a good conversation. So that's really what this is going to be, is just a helpful conversation for anyone listening. And for me, actually, I don't, I've never done ketamine or even referred anyone for treatment at this time. Duncan has been lovely helping me understand this. I do know people who have um, worked, um, worked with ketamine before, but they are really out west. I don't really know that it's something that we have around here a whole lot um, in Durham. And so this is super helpful for me. But then um, everyone listening, and I will absolutely be referring a lot of my clients to Dr. McEwen as, as well. And so I'm super happy to have you here. And um, I guess just to get us started, um, I wanted to mention that your practice's name is Wellness First Psychiatric Associates here in, in Durham, and I want to make sure everybody knows about that. Um, Y'all do great work over there. And um, we'll talk a little bit more about your practice at the end, but just to help get us started, can you explain to those of us who really have no information about ketamine, what is it? Well, I mean, ketamine is a small molecule. It's a uh, anesthetic that they, they've largely used, I think, in kind of light surgical outpatient procedures for, for decades. Uh, it's very safe. And coming around the 2000s, people started to notice that it had uh, rapid antidepressant effects. And so studies uh, were being conducted. And it was, um, there were clinics that were, were, were giving ketamine uh, uh, to people, but it really didn't take off um, until the FDA approved a, a branded product called uh, Spravato. 
Um, so um, ketamine is a generic molecule, Spravato, um, they did some fancy chemistry to, to, uh, to isolate out um, a very subtle difference between you know, the, uh, the, uh, the generic and, 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 and what Spravato is, but uh, pharmacologically uh, no one's shown that there's any difference between the, you know, the branded product and, um, uh, and the generic. Um, so once the FDA gave their blessing to its use, um, um, it really took off. And um, the reason I think there was some hesitancy around using ketamine, ketamine um, under the name of Special K used in very high doses can, can be abused and it has been on the street. It's a uh, dissociative drug, so it produces a strange mental experience uh, for people, which, which is different for psychiatry. Most of our, our drugs that work kind of work quietly in the, in the background. This produces actually an experience that patients undergo. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so uh, I think the most important point is once the FDA gave its blessing, and, and it's used to treat treatment-resistant Depression, and we should talk maybe a little bit about what okay. depression is. Um, uh, you know, depression. I think people intuit what it is. I think of it in terms of being a lack of mental energy. So people have kind of the blahs, and if you think about it, most of our mental energy comes from experiencing the world in a vital kind of a way. So if I see a bright color, it adds a little charge to my brain. Or if I'm with a friend and laughing, uh, I'm deriving energy from that. But when people are depressed, the, the, the senses get kind of rusty. And so that mm. ability to absorb energy from the environment is blunted. Um, and it's very common. Um, I, I'm sure almost everybody in the audience um, has either uh, experienced depression at some, at some point or knows people who have been uh, depressed. And of those people who go to get treatment for depression, probably about a third of them have a very difficult time responding to conventional medicines. And so the FDA says if you don't respond to two antidepressants, um, ketamine is something that might be an option for you. And of those people who don't respond to conventional treatment over a long period of time, there's a... Um, a disturbingly high rate of suicide attempts and so on. So it's quite a, a desperate situation if you're not responding to, to treatment for uh, uh, depression. And this is an alternative in which you can keep people out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not as dramatic as electroconvulsive mm -hmm. uh, therapy, for example. Um, it's very safe when it's done properly. Uh, so it's a nice option to have in our armamentarium, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I, gosh, I didn't know that, that, um, that it's appropriate for people who have, have tried antidepressants and it's not been helpful to them. And um, I'm just curious, I know you mentioned earlier um, when the FDA approved this, but I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Like, can you, can you tell me that again? So how, how long has this been an option and maybe people haven't known is really what I'm asking. Well, you could have, a, have, have access to it, um, you know, back in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. People don't know it, you know, in this area um, of where the economics is, is determining the flavor of medicine so much. Um, the indications for drugs is very siloed. Um, uh, expensive drugs, for example, if I try to use it so-called off-label, um, the insurance companies will resist paying for it. Um, and, but, but, you know, doctors are always free to use any medicine 
they think will be helpful to a patient so long as their use of the medicine is responsible and complies with what other doctors would see mm-hmm. see as a reasonable usage. And um, the off-label usage of, of medicine has been really important to the history of medicine. For example, you know, back in the day when people had tuberculosis and they were getting this drug called isoniazid for their tuberculosis, somebody noticed that they were perking up and this whole class of antidepressants called MAOI um, came to uh, fruition. So the ability to use drugs in creative ways is a very important part of the growth of of, uh, of medicine and, and, and subtle understandings of how these 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 uh, drugs work. So okay, that's also really good information. I guess you know, I'm, I'm whenever I do our podcast, I'm really thinking about how this sounds to the the listener. And so um, you know, I'm just thinking about all the people that have come through my office over the years that have tried countless antidepressants and and they've not had success. And so um, I'm assuming that that consumers can, can find ketamine only, only with certain psychiatrists. Is that right? Yeah, I, I, I think that there's a smaller number of people doing it, but I, I think its use is probably going to grow. Now, what's interesting about, about ketamine, you know, when I first started psychiatry, um, there was a uh, famous doctor by the name of George Engel who talked about the biopsychosocial model, which is a fancy way of saying that how we... Are and how we experience the world is a function of at least three important factors: our developmental experiences, our current situation in life. Um, so, if I'm in a jail somewhere, you know, underground, no matter how resilient I am uh, psychologically over a period of time, I might, uh, uh, you know, start to become depressed or anxious. Mm-hmm. That's that's the uh, the social element, and the biological is we all have you know genetic strengths and vulnerabilities to certain mood uh, conditions, and so. Um, when I started psychiatry, um, you know, back in the day, it was just at the end of the psychological era where psychoanalysis was the, you know, primary paradigm of, of treatment. And then biological psychiatry took off with, you know, Prozac. You know, Prozac eventually made it onto the cover of Time magazine and it excited people so much. And so, medi- you know, psychiatry became highly medicalized for mm-hmm. 20 or 30 years. And I think, you know, that elegant drugs like ketamine are going to bring us back under the fold of more of the biocycle. Um, uh, psychological model where we realize that you know we're not only treating an entity with symptoms we're treating a human being mm-hmm. and what's interesting about ketamine is we know that it has has, has powerful biological effects that that, that uh, you know impact on depression but it also opens people up to psychological experiences uh, it's it, it's called an ab reactive drug which is a fancy word for a drug that induces people to have feelings and and connect feelings to thoughts and situations. So when you're using ketamine, you'll sit down with the patient. The experience of the drug um, lasts about an hour. Um, Mm -hmm. It's administered uh, uh, intranasally, so it's it's, it's very simple and and comfortable to to use, and and the person will get under the influence of the drug in in, in 10 or 20 minutes. Uh, They peak at about 30 minutes. Um, and and then they can feel themselves coming down. But under the influence of the drug, really interesting things happen to to the mind that I think psychologically can be a substantial part of the treatment effect of the drug mm. beyond just the biological. What can you give us an example of what some of those things are? What happens during the the ketamine session is what I'm going to call it. I'm not sure what it's actually yeah, called. Yeah, it's 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 really cool. Um, uh, the you know I, I remember years ago one of my my teachers was talking uh, to us about this very anxious patient he had who would be very self conscious in the classroom, and the teacher you know tried practical interventions like why don't you just pay attention to what the teacher's saying in the lecture maybe, 
And in that comment, obviously, and it didn't make a whole lot of sense in terms of elegance to help a person, because if it were that easy, the patient probably wouldn't be seeking help. But on the other hand, it really tapped into a deep um, uh, notion scientifically, which is that you know we have kind of two kinds of mentation, uh, more obviously, but in terms of this discussion, one kind of mentation is self-preoccupied. Mm-hmm. So if I'm sitting and I'm in physical pain, I may have that pain kind of wrapping around my soul and troubling me. Uh, or if I'm anxious, I may be fretting about what's going to happen in the future. Or if I'm depressed, I may be you know, dwelling on, on regrets and so on. So that self-preoccupation is one kind of mentation, but another kind of mentation is perceptual. Um, it, it, you know, uh, if, if I'm paying attention to what's happening, you know, fireworks or, you know, the, the breeze at the beach or this, that, and the other thing, I'm distracted <clears throat> in a very healthy way. I'm no longer self-preoccupied. And that in, in, in itself can have a very powerful antidepressant or anti-dysphoric, dysphoric being a word meaning, you know, unpleasant. So if I take a mathematician, for example, let's say uh, he's in chronic pain and he's preoccupied with it. And I say, hey, Joe, I'm working on this problem. Could you kind of give me some help with this? Joe goes up to the blackboard and starts drawing out his equations, and all of a sudden, he's not depressed. Yeah. So what ketamine does is it shifts the mind from kind of chunking experience. Um, you know, if I see a clock, for example, there's actually a famous painting um, by Rene Magritte. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a pipe, mm-hmm. and underneath it, it says, this is not a pipe. <laughs> so we adults, when we see complicated things in the, in, the, in the world, we chunk them. I see a clock and automatically, oh, there's a clock. Okay, it's one o'clock. If I'm a child, I'm much more in the perceptual realm because I don't understand the function of a lot of things. And I go, there's a round thing and it's ticking. And it's pretty. Isn't it kind of interesting? I am weighing a lot of my experience on the perceptual side rather than the self-assumption, self-preoccupied side. And that kind of distraction is really helpful to people psychologically. You do the Muse, for example, that little device. Right, right. I was playing around with that one day, looking at my EEG. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was seeing if I could manipulate alpha and beta waves that have to do with, you know, distress and relaxation and so on. So I did the Meryl Streep thing. And I just imagined I was really depressed. And, and I let those feelings, and I could, I could shift the balance where wow. I was seeing more beta activity and yeah. a depression. Then I imagined that I was 19 years old behind a, a water ski boat, zipping over the, you know, the, 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 uh, the wake and enjoying myself very in the moment. And I could see this shift where the beta dropped and alpha in- increased. So when I was in that mentation of pretending I was water skiing, I was in very much a perceptual mm-hmm. mode. And that's helpful, I think, to mood. I, I love that. So you're really talking about um, a medication that helps people who are really stuck in their negative focus of, of their selves kind of be distracted away from what's so negative that they just keep spinning out about right. or spiraling down into, I guess, if, it were to, if we're talking about depression. Um, that's super interesting. I love the way that you're distri- describing that. And so I guess I have another question. I, mean, I know we had all these questions that I, <laughs> I told you I was going to ask you. We're not getting to too many no. of them we'll just, because we'll, I have more questions. We'll stick with the fun <laughs> stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, so what can a client expect then during the session? I, I, you know, I, I completely heard you and I know our, our, our listeners did, that they are distracted during that session to getting more outside of themselves and not in that stuck place like only about me and what's so wrong with me and my whole life. 
Um, but then how long does it take before that experience actually is going to carry over into their, their lives? I think it can happen really quickly. You know, when I first became interested in ketamine, um, I wanted to, to, to try it yeah. because I would anticipate being nervous if I were a patient coming in and, and having this experience. And I'd like somebody in the room to kind of be able to tell me what it was like. I saw a YouTube uh, some years ago uh, for, uh, where the documentarian was following this young man uh, with severe depression and post-traumatic distress who was responding well to ketamine. And they filmed this guy as he was having an infusion back in the mm-hmm. day, so he used mm-hmm. to run it in through um, uh, the veins. Um, and after uh, that session was over, the documentarian asked the doctor, he said, um, have you ever tried this? And the white-coated doctor said, no. And the documentarian said, could I try it myself? And they cut things off. I guess he wanted to get a little appropriate history, but the next scene, he, he's wired up and ready for his ketamine session. And kind of the first thing he said, you know, a few minutes after the infusion was started, is, whoa, you know, I'm not so sure about this. Mm. And a few minutes later, I guess, as he acclimated and the levels dropped a little bit, he goes, hmm, you know, it's kind of, kind of, kind of interesting. But it, it upset me a little bit that the doctor had never tried it realizing I would be nervous. So I tried it some years ago. I had a friend, uh, a colleague, uh, infuse me, and we ran the dose up um, into the range. We're a little bit higher than we might want to go with a patient, but a dose we certainly could expose a patient to because I wanted to experience it robustly. And in the middle of it, um, I had you know hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Um, um, a lot of people don't. But I, I could shut my eyes and, and, and visualize I was in this geometric space. It was yeah. like a tetrahedron. And the me was this little grain of sand. Mm-hmm. And the perceptual stuff was just sort of amazing. And I was yeah. floating around in it. So to answer your question, how quickly can this work? Really quickly, because I remember I was at a, a funeral of a uh, close friend not too long ago, and it was with a bunch of people I didn't know. It was in another state and stuff, so I'm kind of relatively alone sitting in this uh, place, and it's a sad moment, and all, all of a sudden I just started to feel a little uptightness. Mm-hmm. And I just went back to that image of being sand in this perceptual experience, and I just listened to the music, and I saw the stained glass windows in the church, and I just kind of floated mm-hmm. in perception, and it took away the dysphoria. So it's um, I, I think people can use these experiences, you know, What's coming online these days are a number of things. You know about cranioelectrostimulation. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you, you, uh, there's now literature coming out about people using low dose hallucinogens yeah. like LSD. Right. Then um, there's ketamine, and all of these modalities, people will talk about the ego shrinking under the experience that is being able to be smaller in relation to the perceptual experience and I think that's that's kind of fascinating stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. and I think that's at the heart of the psychological side of how these these drugs might be useful to people I had one lady uh who was uh, a chronic pain patient who did the ketamine. And in the middle of her, I'll oftentimes ask people in the middle of their session, are you experiencing anything interesting? And she said, well, it feels like the pain is outside me. Mm-hmm. And I said, is that helpful? She says, yeah, I feel detached from it. And for example, if you and I are lucky enough, I'll do it before you, I think, to reach 95 years of age. It's likely that our bodies will be completely broken compared to what they are now. But mm-hmm. you'll see 90 years uh, old getting together on the porch, enjoying one another's com- company. All of them are in pain, but the pain is not wrapping around their souls because they define themselves in other ways in their pain. 
and experience the pleasure of socializing, et cetera, et cetera. It's almost like when I'm hearing you describe that, that it is um, what you're what you're saying is it's truly staying present in the moment, but the moment is much bigger than us. It's it's us, you know, in context of the whole universe, but staying truly present, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's and not catastrophizing or doing anything else that whatever happens to make people depressed. They did yeah. a study with uh, you know uh, psilocybin that was published in a very respectable uh, journal uh, not too long ago, about ten years ago, in which they took people who weren't you know, guru hippie types, they were kind of ordinary Joes who were curious and decided to sign up for the experience. But after the experience on the psilocybin, um, something like 75% of them said this was a profound experience. Mm -hmm. And then they interviewed them five years later, and they recollected back on it being almost life-changing. And I think that's what you're talking about, this idea of being connected Mm -hmm. to things beyond us Mm -hmm. in a way that feels really supportive. Yeah, and not so isolated. And going back to sex, you know, uh, what is sex? I mean, sex is, you know, we kind of surrender our social norms and just be when when sex is is working well. And we're just connected in a very profound sense to to humanity, not only that, to the animal kingdom and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, Okay, so let me just get through a couple more of our our questions. so an ideal person for ketamine, we've talked a little bit about that. Someone who has tried different antidepressants and it really hasn't been successful. Um, maybe someone who is like, you know, their brain is just truly focused on the negative about themselves, almost in like a very inward, isolated way is kind of the way we're talking about it. And um, I'm just sort of trying to you know, talk about this in just really simple, simple terms. So people who have been depressed for a while, not like I've been depressed for three months, <laughs> but, you know, I've been depressed for several years and really nothing is turning this around. And I've, I've seen several therapists and, and that kind of thing. Um, anything else you want to add to that for an ideal person? Um, no, I mean, I, I think to elaborate on what you're saying that, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be the first choice for somebody who hadn't tried conventional antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and and um, I also think I insist that all of my patients who do the ketamine therapy, and again, you know, ideal patient, the typical patient is somebody who's got treatment-resistant mm-hmm. depression. I insist that they be in, in therapy and counseling. I, I, it's Good. just that, um, you know, when you are inviting a patient to experience profound change, um, even if it's just a biological switch, if you snap out of it, what are you snapping into? Right. You're snapping into new experiences, and to have a therapist, you know, with you uh, is, I think, terribly important. And plus, <clears throat> you know, some of these patients are, you know, experiencing relatively strong suicidal ideation. Yeah. Um, they're not going to hurt themselves, or we'd put them in the yeah. hospital or talk to them about that. But but they're fairly uh, desperate, and and yeah. you you want them to have a human connection sure. to, to process what they're they're going through so yeah, that's i would really say nice. ideal would be level of depression being yeah. sufficient to to want to give it a try and also connection with a therapist uh, yeah would be crucial nice i like the way that that you said that that was all really nicely said and then you kind of rounding out that question who should who is not a good referral for ketamine um Assuming that they are depressed. I mean, somebody who really is dead set on hurting themselves, who is absolutely hopeless, they need a higher level of care. 
you know, someone who was flippant and just kind of curious about wanting to try it. I mean, I, you know, it, it's 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 a serious enterprise to, yeah. <clears throat> you know, to treat somebody. So um, it, it's it's not a plaything. Um, yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> um, they say, you know, under the guidelines of the FDA, that it shouldn't be given to um, people with substance abuse problems. I disagree with that. Mm, yeah. um, that's the nice advantage of being a doctor and having access to generic uh, medicines. Uh, so long as we're responsible, we mm-hmm. can also be inventive. But <clears throat> ketamine also has, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, ketamine also has some action on the opiate um, receptor. Um, and it's really interesting. Uh, there's a small cohort of patients, probably 10% of people who get in trouble with pain medications who are getting an antidepressant response from opiates. And in fact, the FDA was considering a drug that, that has um, suboxone or buprenorphine mm-hmm. in it uh, as a combined uh, medicine to officially release as an antidepressant. They, they, they scrapped it for a period of time, but there is a biology there. So if I had a patient who was serious about treatment with substance abuse problems, particularly you know opiate issues, uh, and they were interested in it and had been treatment resistant, I would try it. Yeah. You know. I would think that could be that that could be really effective. It's better than the alternative. Yeah. If you can't find something that's helping uh, uh, somebody, you up the level of inventiveness and sometimes risk in terms of providing treatment. You know, with yeah. a reasonable balance. Yeah. That, that sounds that sounds really positive. I mean, also if we're assuming that you know, addiction is really just the symptom of what's going to be more deeply underneath, which is going to be the depression or the trauma or the whatever else is going on. So that could be wildly effective. And sometimes we should talk about uh, addiction because addiction phenomenon is really interesting. It's not just addicted to drugs. You're right. You can be addicted to sex, uh, addicted to gambling. And the kind of the behavioral basis, the subtle things that are going on that contribute to that as a problem is really interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting. I, 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 love, I love my work. I'm, I can see that you do too. Okay, so we're almost done. And so what can we talk say about how expensive is ketamine? Like what can people expect if they're going to be giving you a call or, or seeing um, a doctor that's in their area? Well, I mean, it's as a drug, it's very inexpensive. As mm-hmm. a generic, um, as a branded product, the Sparato is very, very expensive. Um, so you can go to a compound pharmacy mm-hmm. and purchase um, ketamine for four sessions for about fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, it's about four or five hundred dollars per session. Yeah. You know, with the branded stuff. What's expensive at first is it's, it's time intensive because when uh, a person is undergoing the first three or four ketamine sessions. They need to have an informed therapist with them, guiding them through the experience. It's very helpful. So there's 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 that expense up front Mm -hmm, uh, of paying for essentially an hour of uh, Mm -hmm. of therapy. But after that, um, a substantial number of patients can carry the drug home and responsibly use it at, at home. How often and how long people use it, they don't really have that down as a pattern. Mm -hmm. Um, Yet, uh, there was a science writer from Texas with severe depression who was on NPR talking about her experience with ketamine. She used it, I think, two or three times and hasn't gone back to it in over a year. It just kick-started things. Um, I've had some patients who have come back after six or eight weeks saying, I want another um, uh, session, and one one fellow did it at home, and he's not used it since. So um, uh, I think we're, we're... you know, as the drug uh, is out there and we get more and more experience, we'll start to notice patterns yeah. of abuse. But right now, it, it seems to be jump-starting people to a better place. And then in the context of, of, of therapy, um, I think a lot of these people 
aren't necessarily going back for much. Yeah. Well, it sounds like what you're doing at your practice is really individualizing the treatment to each each person, which is obviously the right thing to do. But I really love that you're using the generic, and um, that in itself is making it you know, more accessible to more people. And, oh, I like that yeah. too. I'm not a big box guy. I really like these compound pharmacies um, uh, too. They're really patient-centered uh, um, there's a lady in town, Jennifer Birch, who I love. She's always going to scientific conferences. Her, her pharmacy is very small. Uh, the staff is, you know, gets to know all of their, their clients very well. So um, I, I think, you know, again, as our treatment tools are getting more and more sophisticated, so too are our patients, mm-hmm. and our patients are asking for personalized mm-hmm. interventions. That's nice. That's really nice when, when patients are educated and aware enough to, to really be looking into things and kind of know what they want and be advocating for themselves. I love that. Um, well, Duncan, thank you so much. I think that this has been really helpful. I know that I love doing these podcasts. I learn more than anybody when I talk to different people. So this is great. Um, I am sure that people are going to be wanting to get in contact with you. So I'm assuming that they can go to the internet and search Dr. Duncan McEwen or your practice, Wellness First Psychiatric Associates here in Durham, North Carolina. They're going to be able to get in touch with you. I will certainly, I've already got two or three people to refer over to you right now. I'm really excited about all of this information and everything that you're offering. Um, So thanks so much for being here. This was really great. Thank you. Yeah. So thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of our podcast, Sex in the Bull City. And we will look forward to seeing you again next time. Have a great rest of your day. Take care. Bye-bye.